We're going to pick up in Galatians chapter number 6 today. Uh, verse number 1, Galatians chapter number 6. We covered this verse extensively yesterday. So if you want to hear that, go ahead and listen to yesterday's study. But it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So we talked yesterday about the mandate here is try to restore, not destroy, brothers and sisters in Christ who are struggling in their Christian walks. And we need to do that in a very uh, loving way. And we talked about that yesterday. And then verse number two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, in order to properly understand this verse, we must remember verse number one of the same chapter. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you're who spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself. So bear one another's burdens. What Paul is saying here is that each of us <clears throat> has real areas of weakness that we should be willing to help each other in. We all struggle it, struggle with it. Thus, in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. And of course, what is the law of Christ? Well, in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And of course, verses one and two run together. And he says in verse three, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We are all vulnerable to falling. Did you hear that? We are all vulnerable to falling. None of us are above it. I read in a book the other day this quote, be careful, my brother, for what is in me lies dormant in you also. That is true. Truthfully, every one of us uh, is usually one bad decision, one bad decision from ruin. All of us, one bad decision from ruin. That is why we must totally depend upon God for every decision that we make. Yes, even the ones that some um, seem to be no-brainers. We need to depend upon God. No-brainer decisions can get us in big trouble because we're depending upon ourselves and not depending upon God. I've found that what I perceive to be my greatest strengths many times end up being my greatest weaknesses. Why? Because we tend to think in the areas of strength we do not need God's help. It's only in the areas of weakness that I need to go to God. That's wrong because when you make decisions without God, you are being self-reliant. You can make the same decision 99 times the same way. And the hundredth time, if you go to God, he may tell you to go a different direction that time. We need to make sure if anybody thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he is deceiving himself. We are all vulnerable to falling. All of us are one decision away from ruin if we are not careful. And he says in verse number four, but let each one examine his own work and then 
he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Here Paul goes on to say that we better look deep within ourselves as well. He also said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, but let a man examine himself. And in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves, prove yourselves. Each of us has an obligation to ourselves, to others, and to God to examine our own lives, to see where it aligns with Christ, and to make adjustments as necessary before we start poking around into other people's lives. When we do this, we avoid hypocrisy. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't even consider the plank in your own eye? We are very good at, at looking at other people's. You know, there's nothing worse than my sin on you, is the old saying. In verse number five, for each one shall bear his own load or burden. Ultimately, God holds us responsible and no one else for our own burdens. Unfortunately, we live in a society in de- today in which every, it's everybody else's fault. We as a society take no personal responsibility for anything anymore. Well, you know what? It's nothing new. When God confronted Adam for his sin in the Garden of Eden, After taking the forbidden fruit, Adam responded with, It was the woman that you gave me. In other words, the very first man to sin in the Bible blamed the woman and his own creator for his sin. Man's not changed, but Paul is telling the Galatians here, Each of you will bear your own burden. We are not excused before God. We will be held accountable before God. And he says in verse 6, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. In other words, the minister, the one who is ministering, should be compensated. He kind of turns a little bit of a, a corner here. Let him who is taught, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So obviously Paul is talking about the minister and the one who is being ministered to. And he's saying here that the one who is being ministered to should share in all good things with the one who is ministering to him. In other words, there should be some compensation. It's amazing to me how we'll pay the mechanic to fix our car. We'll pay the doctor to fix our illnesses. We'll pay the school teacher to educate our children. But we do not want to pay the preacher who ministers to us in the word. You know, 1 Timothy 5.18 says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. You know, I've known so many pastors who are virtually on the edge of starvation (laughs) because their churches simply will not pay them a decent salary. How sad that is. Even Jesus had people who supported his ministry so that he could go out and be an itinerant preacher, so he could travel. Uh, Jesus thanked these people. The Apostle Paul, the same. I don't think that a pastor should necessarily make more than the average member of his congregation. But nothing says that he has to make less either. A man should be worth his salt. 
in the Roman legions. Sometimes they were paid in salt. And that's where that expression comes from. A man is worth his salt. If he works hard and he serves the congregation well, he should be taken care of. He should be rewarded accordingly. If he's lazy, if he's a sluggard that simply doesn't show up, delivers a half-hearted message to a group of starving people, he should also be rewarded accordingly. In the case of the former, honor and cherish that man for being faithful and count yourselves to be blessed. In the case of the latter, find yourself another pastor. So in verse number six, Paul turns the corner and begins to talk about those who actually preach the word and how they are to be treated. And in verse seven, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows, that will he also reap. Now that's a pretty famous verse. God's laws will stand regardless of how one feels about them. Here we also see the law of spiritual investment. The way you invest is the way you're going to reap. In other words, you're going to get back what you put into it. Put much, get much. Put little, get little. That's life, my friend. And of course, in the context, he's coming right off of, you know, let him who is taught the word, sharing good things with him who teaches. In other words, you know, what you invest in other people is what you're going to get in return. So he says, do not be deceived. God's not mocked. I mean, this, this is a spiritual law here. And of course, you can't just say it. it's referring just to verse number six, but everything above that as well. In verse eight, for he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Bottom line, if we sow to the flesh, we will reap flesh. And the word sow means to plant. You plant corn, you get corn. Okay, you plant a little corn, you're going to get a little corn. You plant a lot of corn, you're going to get a lot of corn. Okay, so the way you invest is the way you're going to reap. In other words, you get back what you put in. Okay, in verse number eight, he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. If we sow, if we plant flesh, we're going to reap flesh. If we plant or sow the Spirit, we're going to reap the Spirit. In other words, what you put in comes out. If you put in spiritual things, spiritual things are going to come out. If you put in fleshly things, fleshly things are going to come out. And then he says in verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart or faint. God desires for us to be faithful. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding, overflowing in the work of the Lord. You know, it's easy to be faithful when the times are good. But God calls us to be faithful even when the times are bad. And he says, therefore, in verse 10, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all, especially those of the household of faith. We need to take care of each other in the church. The ministers take care of those who they are ministering to. Those who are being ministered to need to take care of the ministers who are ministering to them. 
We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to restore one another. We need to fulfill the law of Christ. God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, he loves you, wants the best for you. It's working all things out for your good.